church family. How we doing? Hey, is anybody else so very thankful that fall is in the air? Come on now. I wore my buffalo plaid this morning to celebrate the occasion of us getting ready to come out of the summer. So just nothing says fall like buffalo plaid. I, don't, I, I actually didn't even know this was called buffalo plaid until uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think. But uh, I am thankful for this cooler weather. I'm excited about this message. Uh, it is punchy. I'm not apologizing for that. I think it's going to help us all. But I also know sometimes when the word comes forward and, and it is a little more punchy, it's important that our hearts are ready to receive it. And so I just want to pray for that, if you don't mind. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. I don't know their story. I, I don't know everything that's happened even in their life this week. But you know every intimate detail. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here and that every person that's here is here for a reason and on purpose. And I know that, that you want to speak to us. And I'm thankful that in spite of me and in spite of my weaknesses, that you still use imperfect vessels to carry something that can help someone. And so I do pray that as I speak this word, that I know that you've given us that our hearts would be open, that we would be humble, and that we would just allow you to show us some areas that we can grow in. I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. If you ask anybody when it comes to physical strength, when it comes to physical strength conditioning, like what's the most important element? What's the most important thing? Uh, back in the day, I used to, to train a lot of college-age students to do triathlons. And in, in doing triathlons, we spent a lot of time working on one particular element because I knew everything else was going to come out of that. And that was their core strength. We would work their core strength because whether it was the, the swimming portion or the biking portion or the running portion, I knew that if their core was not strong, no matter how strong anything else came out of the, from that, if their core wasn't strong, there was a potential for them to get injured. They weren't going to have the amount of strength or energy that they were going to need. And so every once in a while, if you go to the gym, like if you go to the gym and you see some of these guys, you can tell like they live there. They're, they're what we call gym rats. And these are guys, it's like you can tell like they, they were able to build muscles that God didn't even create. Like they were able to find a muscle that it's like, wow, that, that, I don't even think that that's not actually in the human anatomy, but they were able to somehow develop it. And sometimes I see these guys and I just want to go over and just pat them on the shoulder and be like, Good job, man, you're done. You don't really need to do anything else. Like there's no other muscle that you would ever need to find or build for the rest of your life. Crossfitter people, uh, if you ever wonder if somebody's in CrossFit or not, you won't have to wonder long. They'll tell you they're in CrossFit, but they, they will tell you that the same principle that, that so much of human movement has, it's gotta be established in a strong core. You have to have a strong core. And if you don't have that, then it leads to injury. It leads to a lot of other issues. And, and that is very, very true when it comes to our spiritual life as well. If we don't have a strong core, then it doesn't matter what we try to add to that. If our core is weak, then our whole lives can become weak. 
So today I want to talk about a foundation, the core of who we are as believers. Now, we may have a lot of great things. We may have the house that we want, the SUV that we want. Our kids may be doing great in school, have good grades and be in sports. We might have great schedules. We might have season tickets for the Razorbacks. Not sure what those are worth these days. May have awesome jobs and be able to take great vacations and all those things are fine. But the question is this, when all those things are stripped away from your life, what is left? What do you have? I feel like in a lot of ways, this last year, 2020, has been a year where some things have been stripped away. I think some things have at least been shaken in our lives. And I know for us as a church, it's, it's helped reveal some things that maybe are vulnerable. Some things have been exposed. But for you, what is most important? What is your foundation? I've found that in this season, there were some married couples that I thought for sure that they had a strong marriage. But then we found out that their marriages weren't as strong. In fact, they were very weak. There were some men in my life that I thought, man, these are some amazing godly men. And then you found out that they had some secret sin and some weaknesses that made some horrible decisions that they didn't just compromise their life, it compromised other people's lives around them, including their ministry. But then I've also seen that during this season, there's been some families that have gone through some of the worst situations and circumstances you could ever imagine have experienced tremendous loss, including the loss of loved ones, and yet they have peace. They have joy. They're standing steadfast on God's word and who they are in him, and nothing has shaken them. And I think that's because of their foundation. I think this is where God would want us all to be, a strong core. So this past week in our Life of Christ devotions, and if you haven't signed up for that, I would strongly encourage you to follow along with us as a church. And uh, you can get information on that. I think Ricky's gonna talk about it at the end of service. I will say this, just so you know. Uh, when you send the text to sign up to receive these devotions, we're using an app that is not an app that we made. It's just by a secular company. And when you get that, it's gonna ask you some questions to sign up for the devotions. And you just need to know that some of those questions are not necessarily things that we believe in or that we agree with. It's just a secular app that's asking this. You may not know what I'm talking about, but you'll see when you sign up because it'll ask you some interesting questions. You're like, wow, this is a different kind of church. And some of you, you're like, well, I wanna sign up just to find out what he's talking about. And that's kind of my purpose for talking about this right now. <laughs> but what, one of the things that we looked at was this passage in Luke. And it talks about this subject of the core of who we are as believers, the foundation. In Luke's account in chapter six, starting in verse 46, it says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord? That word repeated is important. When you don't do what I say, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep 
and lays the foundation on the solid rock. And when the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it's well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. And when the flood, floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. So it says, Lord, Lord, anytime that word or anytime a word is repeated, and when you study into the original Greek or Hebrew, essentially what it's doing is bringing a lot of emphasis to the particular word that's being repeated. It's like bolding it. It's like all caps. But what it's doing is it's communicating a conviction. And in this case, what it's saying is it's someone that says, we know that you are God. We know that you're God. Lord, Lord, we know that you're God. But how can God be our God when we don't trust him enough to do what he's telling us to do? Because then he's just God in title. He's not really our Lord. So what is the foundation? Well, it's doing what God says. It's following the example of Christ. It's hearing and doing, listening and obeying, studying and following. As we study the life of Christ, if you join in with us, you're gonna have an opportunity to read a lot of scripture. You're gonna hear some great devotions. You're gonna hear some great teaching around the word of God. But if all you do is hear it, and if all you do is read it, then it's not gonna change anything. Because it's only when you apply it that you're actually walking out discipleship, what it means to be a Christian. So last week we talked about God's calling to discipleship. And this week, it's all about, when you answer that call, it's all about hearing and doing. I want to give you a cross-reference scripture to the one we just read. This is in James chapter 1. It says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face or her face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, this is the new covenant through Jesus, that's what this is talking about, and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. It says people that, that hear but don't do, they deceive themselves. Well, how does this happen? Well, the deception comes from thinking that we've done what is necessary by just listening. But the word says that's only the beginning. The problem with being deceived, what I find with people that are deceived, the biggest problem with being deceived is you don't know you're deceived. That's a big issue. And I do find that as a, as a culture, as an American church, I think there's a really good chance there's a lot of people and maybe some of us even that are here right now that feel fairly confident that because you attend church, because you listen to scripture, because you listen to a podcast every once in a while, maybe you listen to Caleb all day long, every day, even during the pledge drive, God bless you. <laughs> that because you do those things, that that is 
enough. You listened. I just would caution you that I think you could be deceived into thinking that that's all that God has for you. And I'd also be heartbroken if you stay there because it means you're never going to get to live the life and life to the full that Jesus came to give you. Because living it out is one of the most exciting, fulfilling things you could ever do. Now, knowledge is important, and I think that it's the first step. You don't know what you don't know. But knowledge doesn't always make you a mature, influential, loving, wise, or obedient Christian. And what I find is God is not looking for smarter sinners. You can be a really knowledgeable Christian, but still not be doing what the word tells you to do. One of the most frustrating things sometimes in parenting is having knowledgeable disobedience. Like when you, your kids know, or at least you feel confident that they know, but they're still disobedient. But it's infinitely more frustrating when they communicate that they know, and then they still don't do what you've asked them to do. I don't know if anyone's ever experienced this. Rarely ever happens in our household where maybe your kids are watching something on the TV and you'll give them instruction to do something. And they'll say, yes, sir. And then not move. (laughs) Hey, I need you guys to do this. Yes, sir. I like hearing yes, sir. I love seeing yes, sir. But when I hear yes, sir, and don't see yes, sir, it just makes me want to take that TV out and unleash a few hundred rounds of ammo into it. (laughs) Because slow obedience is no obedience. Mark Twain said it this way. It's not the parts of the Bible that I don't understand that bother me. It's the parts of the Bible I do understand that bother me. It's like looking into a mirror doesn't necessarily make you more attractive. Just staring at a mirror and hoping that somehow you're gonna look better if you just look a little longer doesn't work. It would be foolish of me to think that I could watch a workout video and miraculously get fit. That would be awesome if that happened. I wish I could watch Jason Bourne and be as cool as Jason Bourne. I wish I could watch professional golfers and be a better golfer. But when I watch professional golfers, all I get is tired. It's not enough just to look. I find that a lot of people And a lot of church people specifically have a knowledge surplus and an application deficit. They've heard it a long time, but the application is lacking. Reading God's word, it should always lead to action that first demonstrates in loving God more and then loving people more. So I want to talk about this analogy of a strong foundation. 
First of all, a foundation always comes first. A foundation always comes first. I don't know everything about construction, but I know that it's impossible for someone that is constructing a building to build the foundation last or to come back after they've started and try to do the foundation later. It has to be built first. But I know all of us have been in seasons of our life where we thought maybe I, I, could, I can just do this later. I know when I was younger, I certainly, you know, when I, I was just being a little punk kid at different seasons of my life and I maybe wasn't living the way I should have been living, I, I always knew about church and I was raised in a Christian home. And so, you know, I, I went to Awana's I memorized all the verses, right? I knew all those things. And so I had an understanding. I had knowledge, but there were seasons where I lacked conviction. But I remember in those seasons still thinking, well, I can always get back in line later on. I can always get this right later on. But that's like saying, I'm gonna get my foundation the way I need to after I've built some stuff for a while after I've worked on some things for a while, it was never God's intention for us to add Jesus to our lives. Where we just say, I, I wanna have all these things and then I just wanna add Jesus. I remember when I was little, I would see people that wore cross necklaces and I would just immediately assume, oh, they're a Christian. They've gotta be a Christian. But I remember also like, as I grew and I lost some of that innocence because there were different movies that we didn't watch or different music that we wouldn't listen to, but I would see maybe one of those people that were famous and then see them on TV or whatever and they'd be wearing a, a cross necklace. And I think, wow, they're Christians. I never would have thought that. And then my parents telling me, it's like, no, just because they're wearing a necklace that's a cross doesn't mean that they're a Christian. Or this young lady that we met at, at an adopted block, uh, one of our outreaches at one point, and one of the volunteers was wearing a cross and this young girl saw it. And she's like, oh, I really wanna get a tea necklace someday. I wanna get a tea necklace. And she's like, a tea necklace? She's like, yeah, like you have. She's like, oh, this is the cross. She's like, the cross? I just thought it was a tea. Jesus was never meant to be an accessory that we add to our lives. He was never meant to be something that we just kind of put on at our convenience. He's meant to be the core of it. I want to say this because some of you are thinking, but I've already been building for a while. And I know even now the Holy Spirit is showing me that Jesus isn't my foundation. That's also why we have his Holy Spirit. Cody showed me a house recently. And she's like, man, this is a big, nice house. Like a big, nice house, but it was really, really, the price of it was way lower than it should have been. And almost anyone knows, like if there's a really nice looking house but the price is way lower than it should be, more than likely, it's probably got some foundation issues. Well, when that happens, man, it's really difficult, but, the, but there, is, there is a way that you can come in and you can correct that foundation. It's gonna take some time. It's gonna take some work. It's gonna take some investment, but it can be fixed. 
God can restore anything, even if it wasn't done right. God can restore anything. So don't lose hope. But I will say sometimes what it means is it means you're gonna have to take things back down to the foundation and get the foundation right. But he's gotta be first. He's gotta be first. I think all of us, whether we realize it or not, we do have a foundation in our life. We are building some sort of foundation. It's whatever's most important to you. That's your foundation. So it's a filter for your lifestyle. It's a lens through which you make decisions of what you value. So for some people, they they have a foundation. Their foundation is success. For some people, they have a foundation and their foundation is money. Some people, their foundation is their kids. Some people, their foundation is other people's approval. That, that's the foundation. But that's a really dangerous foundation. In both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the word cautions us, warns us, and commands us to watch out for things that we would put before Jesus, that we would put before our relationship with God. In Exodus 20, it says, you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. In the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 10, 14 says, so my dear friends, flee from the worship of idols. So I'm sure a lot of us are thinking, well, I guess I'm good because I don't like have gold statues sitting around my house, you know, that I'm worshiping. I don't have stuff like that, but but let me caution you with this. An idol is anything that you put before God, anything. Anything. If you put your spouse before you put God, your spouse is an idol. You put your kids before you put your relationship with God, your kids are an idol. Anything that you put in your life before or as a higher priority before God, it's an idol. The truth is all of us go through seasons of idolatry. I've certainly had seasons of idolatry in my life. One of the ones that happened to me that, that I got convicted about recently and had some friends like caution me with it, I I was creating an idol of news. If you can actually find news these days, I don't know if you can, but I I was finding that I was spending a lot of time listening and reading news. But I found that there were times when I would open a news app on my phone before I'd open my Bible. And for me, it was clearly becoming an idol. And I just want to encourage you with this. I think it's good to be informed. I think it's good to be informed. Uh, Although I think it's very difficult to find accurate information. Incredibly difficult. Everything is going to be biased. Everything is going to be polarized. I can guarantee you there is one place that you can find everything you need 
to deal with everything that you're walking through right now in life. It's right here. It's right here. This has all the answers that you will ever need, no matter what's going on. To suggest otherwise is to suggest somehow God's got, got surprised by an epidemic or pandemic. Like somehow God didn't know this was gonna happen. He didn't give us what we needed. We better figure out, man, the Bible's just inconclusive, I guess. But it's just not. It's not. Fine knowledge, it's fine. But pass it through the filter of God's word. Let this be the thing that dictates your ultimate decisions. It's so important that we build our entire life around Jesus. But sometimes we're living our lives and it's like this, like, oh man, golly, we should probably go to church. We need to do some spirituality things. That happens. There's seasons of that. But we've got to put Jesus first. Number two, the foundation is essential. Now, building a foundation is not necessarily like this super glamorous, entertaining, provocative thing. Like when you're, when you're building a house and you have your foundation, it's a slab of concrete. Not super exciting. Like I don't know construction crews that wake up in the morning and they're like, we get to go do the foundation today. Foundation party. Woo. It's a slab of concrete. To my knowledge, there are no movies written about foundations. There are not hip-hop songs about concrete. Nobody is writing bars about rebar. (laughs) But you'll never meet a good builder that would skip such a necessary step because they know that no matter how hard they work and how good they make the house look, if they don't do the foundation, they don't understand how essential it is within just a matter of time, there's going to be some major issues. Living your life on the word of God in love with Jesus may not always feel good. It may not always be fun. But it's also eternal and unchanging. And you can count on it. It will not fail you. Psalm 127 one says, unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. I give this verse a lot when I do weddings because I understand it's like, unless these are two people that individually are making Jesus the foundation of their life, first individually, then coming together to try to love one another, that marriage is gonna be in trouble from the very beginning. But it's also completely true with your personal individual life every day. God's got to build it and it's not always going to feel great. How many married folks in the room today? Okay. How many of you, since the day you were married, have always loved hanging out with your spouse? Just as always felt amazing. That's a smart man raising your hand, but I know that you're lying and you're lying in church. Everyone's like, why is he doing this to us right now? Because you don't always feel like loving people. 
You choose it. It's a choice. Some days it's an easier choice than other days. Some days you just got to fight. You just got to make the decision. And it's not going to be based on what the other person's doing or not doing for you. It's going to be based on the fact that you have a covenant with them. And you're going to fight for that relationship. The same thing happens in your relationship with Jesus. You're not always going to feel it. But we can't be driven. God gives us feelings to help us where we're at. But he gives us his word. He gives us the Holy Spirit and the body of Christ to show us where we need to go. How many of y'all remember mood rings? Anybody remember mood rings? Okay, I think these things have just been kind of like in a cycle of popularity. But back when I was in like junior high, middle school, I remember mood rings got really popular, right? And most, most dudes probably weren't wearing a lot of mood rings, but we were really interested in them. But I remember people were like making decisions, like life decisions based on their mood rings, okay? Like, like people were deciding if they were gonna go out with someone based on how their mood ring looked for the day. You guys remember how this was? It was like, oh, if it's dark blue, then I'm happy. And if it's gray, I'm kind of nervous. Mine was always gray. But, uh, if, it's, if it's black, then I'm angry. And people like, like, how am I feeling? Oh, angry. And we laugh, but some of us live in this space where our moods dictate where we go. I'm so thankful that our foundation is not based on moods. A foundation that is built on God is built in doing his will. It's not driven by emotions. And that's important because Satan will always have a temptation or a tact for your mood. He'll always have something that'll entice you based on your mood. Our culture, I think in a lot of ways, it's become about what's easy. We only wanna do what's attractive or alluring. We only want to, to do what we wanna do. We only want to feed our desires. And our way of living ends up being just this big mixture of things that we want to do. There's a lot of trouble in that space. For, as, for believers, though, for Christ followers, we got to build on a strong foundation of hearing and doing the words of Christ. Number three, the foundation holds everything together. When you build a house and you lay a foundation, it can withstand the heavy loads that you're going to build on it. It holds those things together. It becomes load-bearing but if you just lay a house on bare earth, well, it's more likely that at one point or another, it's gonna crack the walls and damage, and, but also doesn't stand up to the natural things around it, and storms and winds and all those things. It's the foundation that present, prevents the house from being unsettled. You ever been around people that are just constantly unsettled? Just like, I find these people move around a lot. They move churches a lot. They're just unsettled. And it's like, as soon as pressure comes, they're unsettled. The tallest building in the world, it's in Dubai. 
It's 2,717 feet tall, which is just absolutely crazy. And it's built in the desert where there's a lot of sand. So I, I just looked up. I was just so curious. It's like, what went into building the foundation for that building? I found out that the foundation, a large portion of it is 165 feet deep. And they, they went down, they dug down till they hit bedrock and then they put what they call piles into the bedrock. And they spent more time, more time building the foundation than they spent building the 2,217 feet that were above ground. I think that's such a great picture. Look, I believe that God wants to take you to some heights that you could never even imagine. I think that God wants to, to make you a pillar. He wants to make you a person of influence. I believe that he wants you to be something that, that the world can see in its shout of his glory, of his grace, of his presence, of his power. But you don't get to get built higher if you haven't laid the foundation first. And it takes time and it takes investment and it takes hard work but it's the only thing that's gonna hold everything together. And if we don't have a foundation, or if our foundation is not in God, then when we have problems and, and viruses and all these different things and we're unsettled, then we'll start to question God and we'll get off track. We'll start saying things like, well, this isn't working. I mean, I tried praying. I mean, I, I even went to church. But the foundation's not there. So the pressure of life has you unsettled. Some people, when they're unsettled and they're frustrated or desperate or confused, look, they, they'll run to something that they feel like will create stability. So some people, they run to addictions, alcohol or drugs or, or pornography. Some people run to bad relationships. Some run to being busy. Some run to being distracted. But almost everyone just runs to something that they feel like they can control. Your life will have a tendency to settle on something when chaos comes. Only Christ can hold it all together. Our foundation in God keeps us secure and stable. Colossians 1.15 says this, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. It's God that literally holds us together. Isaiah 28, 16. So this is what the sovereign Lord says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a secure foundation. The one who relies on it will never be stricken with panic. 
And this is a prophecy of Jesus. He's the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone. He's where the foundation starts. It starts with him. It starts with believing in him, having a relationship with him, surrendering to him as your Lord, asking him for the forgiveness of your sins. He's the foundation. The rest of the foundation is built upon hearing and doing. It's obeying. I just want you to imagine your life that is secure and stable without fear and confusion and worry and anxiousness. God can give that to you. You can have a firm foundation. Uh, I do know that it starts with Jesus. And I think that there's probably some of you, you may have been around church things for a really long time, maybe your whole life, maybe even attended church your whole life. May have heard the word of God in multiple ways and hundreds and thousands of sermons but maybe you've never truly surrendered to him and made him the cornerstone. First, the foundation. And I just wanna give you an opportunity to do that today. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the season that you brought us into as a church and as a body where we look face to face the truth of your word. And it is like a mirror. God, we don't want to be like those that, that look in that mirror from time to time but then quickly go to Monday and go to our lives and go to our schedules and go to our routines and forget. Forget. We want to be a people that, that hear and do. Lord, I know that there's probably some people that are here right now that you're already, you've been dealing with them throughout this whole service. You've been dealing with them through your word about the reality of of where they stand in relation to you, that they've never truly surrendered to you. They've never given their life to you. They've never just admitted that, that they have sinned and their sin separates them from you. Or maybe they, they felt confident that they'd made that decision at a season in their life, but for whatever reason, they've been drifting away from you. And maybe they need to come back to you. Lord, whatever the case may be, I thank you that you are here to meet with them regardless of whatever has been built in their life, that right now you can give them a firm foundation in you. Something, God, that will hold them together. But something also, Lord, that they can build something on that will be a witness to the people around them and will help them fulfill their purpose. If you're here today and you just, you feel like you're away from God, you need to make a commitment to him. You need to ask him to, to forgive you of your sins, to be your Lord and Savior, or, or you need to rededicate and come back to him this morning. Nobody's looking around. I want to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to confess it. And I'm not going to embarrass you and make you do it to everyone, but would you be willing to do it just between me, you, and God? If that is you, nobody's looking around. 
I want you to put your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down, but you know you need to make a decision for Jesus. Thank you, I got you. Yeah, got it. Anyone else? I'm ready to make a decision. I wanna make Jesus the Lord and Savior of my life. Anyone else? I got you. Anyone else? Okay, awesome. So thankful for those couple of hands. A couple of kids too, that's awesome. Love having the kids in here. Anybody else? I'm ready to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Okay. For every person that raised your hand, we're just gonna have a short conversation with God. The word says, when you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you're saved. And so I, I, I'd encourage you, tell somebody about this decision as soon as you can. In fact, Right after this service, we already have some of our church family that are going public with their faith through water baptism. And we're ready. Even if you didn't know that you were gonna make this decision, even if you weren't planning on it, we actually have a change of clothes. We had everything you need right now and you can get water baptized as soon as this service is over. And, and all that is, is you just making a public declaration of the decision you're making in your heart right now. But let's just start with a conversation of admitting that we need him. You can just say something like this. Say, God, here's my life, and I know that I've, I've sinned, and my sin separates me from you. But I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. And right now, I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. And Jesus, I thank you that you rose from the grave, you defeated my sin, and you defeated death itself. And that you're in heaven preparing a place for me, and I have the hope for that. But, but Lord, I, I don't want you just to save me from my sin. I, I wanna live out the purpose that you have for my life. But I know that means I can't try to live life on my own in my own way. I've gotta surrender my life to you, and so I do. I want you to be my Lord. I surrender control to you. God, I ask that as I seek you and as I, as I read your word and hear your word, as I listen to your Holy Spirit and have conversation through prayer and as I get connected to the body of Christ. God, I wanna be a someone that doesn't just hear, but, but lives it out as a fully devoted follower of you. Thank you, God, for giving me the strength. Thank you, God, for blessing me, giving me a new life, a new hope in you. Father, I, I thank you that as a church, you're helping us to identify where we are in our foundation. Help us to be people that are hearers and doers of your word. And we know that if we'll do that, it's gonna bring glory to you. Other people are gonna see and they're gonna wanna know who you are too. Thank you for that opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.